Welcome to Talk Cosmos, the show where Sue Rose Minahan and her panel of guests bring you insightful conversations to awaken consciousness for soul growth. Come journey with us through astrology's energetic cycles and get ready to understand your path in the cosmic roots of the stars. Sue Rose Minahan, founder of Talk Cosmos Insightful Conversations, and thank you for joining us today, October 22nd, and we are treading this tidal waters between the two eclipses, and the next one coming up, the lunar eclipse, where it's just full moon, but it's eclipsed, will be on the 28th. We'll go through this. It's at five degrees Taurus. It's ruled by Venus. It's a personal one. Venus is so personal. And it's centering on our intentions to make those choices powerful because we script a new life. This is a reset button, as we all know. Eclipses happen four times a year. There's two sets of the sun being eclipsed and the moon being eclipsed. It's a clock that has since primordial days synchronized humanity, and life everywhere. So let's get ready. We are ready for Kaleidoscope Visions, a panel on every Associating current astrology transits to a real-life natal chart transit reading through the understanding of the sky's cosmic consciousness for navigating free will options, this is your Kaleidoscope Visions panel. I'm Sue Rose Minahan, collaborating with guests weekly since 2018. I'm an evolutionary astrologer, consultant, workshop facilitator, and lecture speaker. I'm a Dwarf Planet University graduate, charter member of Kepler Astrology Toastmaster Club. I have an AA degree and a fine arts music degree in jazz. I'm a certified color energy life coach, a writer, artist, musician, and ardent mythologist, a student of esoteric philosophies and life. I'm Amanda Pierce. I'm a soul-centered astrologer, blending intuition into my practice. I believe the universe is always working for our highest good and seek to empower my clients in our readings. I teach a four-week series of empowerment-based meditation classes that connect you deeper into your own intuition and innate power. I work in communications with a passion for employee experience. I also have a BA in psychology. I'm passionate about healing and enjoy helping others create new realities and shift old paradigms. And I am John Chenworth, an astrologer from Seattle, Washington. I grew up in southern Arizona and was so obsessed with mythology that I concretely imprinted the Greco-Roman pantheon into my psyche. I still see those gods and goddesses infused into everything around me. My experiences of working with developmentally disabled and resource students for many years as both teacher and mentor has given me a strong compassion for others and has seasoned me with an exceptional reconciling energy. I have more than 18 years experience reading natal charts and continue to enhance consulting techniques by attending workshops and conferences. I use a unique blend of evolutionary, archetypal, and traditional astrological methods to look for themes in the birth chart for us to explore. I also enjoy penning poems and exploring Washington State on road trips. And like the Sufi poet Rumi says, You are the entire ocean in a drop. There's plenty of ocean behind me and around me. <laughs> Hi, Amanda and John. Hello. Hello. <laughs> nice to be here with both of you. Good to be back. Oh, and you went, I, Amanda, and saw the eclipse. 
Did you manage I to did. see it? The solar? I did. Yes. Um, I went down to Oregon, so saw it from there and it was quite overcast, but every now and again, the clouds parted. And so we got to see it. And what was cool about it is that because of the cloud cover, we could see a lot of it without glasses. And so we could see like this bluish tinge around it. It was very, mm. very cool. That's ethereal. That's beautiful. Yeah, I thought about you. That was very exciting to get. Well, all three of us went to the uh, the 2017 Great American Eclipse. So I feel we like we've got this eclipse um, brotherhood. connection. Yeah. <laughs> Sisterhood, brotherhood, exactly. whatever. It was incredible. I'm looking forward to 2024 if I can just manage. Well, here we are with the moon. And I received a wonderful in Native Indian email, uh, YouTubes about how in the culture and it resonates so closely. It's really a reset and time of reverence, a time to be so thankful of these bodies that manage sky and daylight and, and keep us connected with our rhythms. That isn't exactly how they said it, but that's how I'm saying it. <laughs> so here, folks, if for those people that are on podcasts, you can easily go back and listen and stop these at any time. John and Amanda and myself, we all do consultations. These are our websites. And of course, you can find that at Talk Cosmos. You just look under the sixth season, which we are. What is an eclipse? It's a full moon. It has to be 18 degrees of the nodes. We'll talk about that in just a moment. And it's interesting that right now, our personal planets, Venus and Mars, are so evident. Venus rules Taurus. And the north node, which is called the destiny, is in Aries. So hello, Mars. You're pretty active. And here for our actions. Mars wants action. Let's do it. So the node it means intersecting point. Their points is paths of the moon and the sun of their orbits and the ascending is going northward which actually happens at the solstice at that point in june 23rd we're approaching from now we're going towards this the south node of, of the southern ecliptic anyway that i may have added too much to keep that sensible but it is an astronomical event that happens in life and here, this is a little diagram. It's going to be a partial eclipse. It's, it's early in this sorrow cycle that John will explain a little bit more about because that's another long cycle of 1260 years often with 72 or so eclipses. I might be stealing your thunder here. But you will see that if the moon, Earth, stands in the way between the moon and the sun, meaning we're going through our shadow time. It's something to rebirth. And it will be on the 28th of October, unless you're in Australia. And I hope people listen there. And of course, you can listen to it afterwards. Then it's going to be on the 29th. So it's visible in the UK, continental Europe, Middle East, Africa, Asia. And here in the States, it's going to be on the Eastern Americas at moonrise and in Australia, moon set. Now, according to the data I found, it was Sorrow's 
146, and it started in 1843, and there's some historical things that happened then. Could say from my standpoint, there was Oregon Trail. There was quite a uh, Oregon fever, and people migrated. So that started. John, what would you like to add? Well, it's some studying on the Saros cycles, and uh, these are families of eclipses, and they so they belong to a larger pattern. They were first discovered by, by the Babylonians in the 4th century BCE, so they figured out those cycles a long time ago. Uh, any cycle will run over 1,000 years. I think you said 1,200, but I think they can range from 1,100 to 1,250 or something like that. Uh, each cycle begins at either the north or the south pole. Uh, Sarah cycles, um, they chase, and then they pass the node, whichever one they're, they're dealing with. They have either 71 to 73 eclipses within them. And the first eclipse sets the tone of the cycle. And this cycle, uh, went the, in the first chart, there was a square between Pluto and Mars, which uh, I think is the big thing. So there's a sense of things moving rapidly. So you have to keep your head about you maybe a little bit. <laughs> really evolving like that's a lot of energy towards evolution for all of us yeah yeah beautiful i thank you both they are so powerful and we often don't talk about them sometimes i just want to get one in fact i think i might we might just get together and have an eclipse party talk on one of our third weeks which is special panels right there's so much yeah. information with them. And when you add the zero cycles to them and there's so much uh, history about them, it's a lot of information. It is. Like here, no. I think what's evident here was that there was a couple of religious orientations that, of course, have carried on. And then also the historical about the migration, which was before the gold rush. Well, there is also, as you had brought up, and we do with archetypal symbols, which is all about the full moon, we talk about Sabian symbols. And John, you brought it up. I thought, hey, we'll do it. So it's six degrees, Taurus, because the Sabian itself is the next degree. And go ahead. Would you like to talk about that? And Amanda, too. Oh, I have, where did I put my notes? Well, it's right on, on the screen, if you can see it. It's the candle. Kind of like the bridge crosses a deep gorge, and I uh, think of uh, connection, linkage, uh, a union of opposites. So think of the, I think of a centaur, half man, ah. half horse, having to put two different things together and make them work. Also, um, coming from a certain place, crossing the bridge and getting to, going to the other side, and maybe during that eclipse, you're on that bridge. Where have I come from? Where am I going? Mm. So that kind of energy, maybe. And what strikes me about this Sabian symbol is there's this potential for us to go across the bridge instead of down and deep into the gorge to try and cross things. So, you know, there, there may be um, deep pains that we're healing that we can um, transcend in a way so that we don't have to go down deep into the muck. But we can observe it from a safe distance. We can observe and see. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, maybe you don't need to go like fully into it to really do the healing. You know, just um, there's that potential there. Yeah. 
that corresponds so beautifully to what I read further, because Dan Ruchar, who really interprets these, and they were created in 1925 with Elsie Wheeler and Mark Edmund Jones. And he, he, because it relates that this gap is part of society's gap that has that we're bridging over so what you're saying is that's so interesting that we're trying to conquer these obstacles and achieve evolution well exciting i think we'll add these to our talks want to bring up isabel hickey and in Googling, she is a very important pioneer of spiritual astrology, which really, from our standpoints, I think the three of us, we work towards understanding that it's not just predictive. It isn't that aspect, but more on a spiritual basis. It's part of our whole birthright as a person. And what's important, she was stating, is that the North Node, which this eclipse is at, before you can give yourself away, you have to have a self. So who is that self? And it happens that Eris, the dwarf planet, is right next to this eclipse. And she is out past Pluto and is a truth teller activist. It's where we are transforming our duality of exclusion and inclusivity. And that comes from the mythology, which if you go to our Yet last week's, we went quite a bit into that. I We talked about Eris with Alan Clay, who has his University of Dwarf Planet, Dwarf Planet University, and with Melissa Billington. And that was quite interesting. But here it is, and it's amazingly staying at the same point of the eclipse. I mean, Eris and North Node at 24 degrees Aries. Now that is a few degrees from five degrees Taurus, but it's for an eclipse time within a wide conjunction and very powerful. So, and did you have something? Yes. you want Yeah. To so yeah, I find this um, Aries here at the North node um, really interesting because it's, it plays off of the, the nodes being in the North node being in Aries and the South node being in Libra and their rulers of Mars and Venus. And Mars is often about um, winning at all costs. And there can be only one winner. Whereas Venus is like, let's all be winners. Let's make it win, win. And so mm. with the North node being in Aries and Aries there, it's like, how can we create this, um, this level of inclusivity where it doesn't have to be um, only one winner. And can mm. we like find a way where we're maybe all inclusive together and fighting against um, what's not right in the world and, and creating it that way. Mm. When I think of Eris, I think of her golden apple that she throws out to start while well, the Trojan war. But I think of that golden apple or uh, actually was an apricot. That's how they were describing an apricot. Right. Anyway, she throws it out. And that's all what what do you what golden thing do you have to give to the situation that's useful and helpful or to make people yes. think or exactly John and Amanda. And for instance, it's the fair story. 
That's what I was thinking too, because that was one question, who's the fairest? But basically, what gives real balance of of essence that we're included? Balance isn't always that straight line. Sometimes it's, you know, diff- uh, differently. And some of the questions are, you know, how can you express your true self, follow your passion, your creativity, your rebellious spirit, and still be an impact and get rid of these old patterns or beliefs that stand in your way. There's a little bit of a, the protest protester archetype with Eris too. What do you stand for, right? Yeah, and especially in Aries, you know, it's like it really mm. wants to fight for things. So fighting for that level of equality and equity for others. And she's been in Aries for a long time. And this is like a ongoing thing for humanity to address. It's like just recognizing the differences and people standing up saying, hey. Yeah, it's 123 years. And as you brought up the mythology, the judgment of Aries before, no, the judgment of Paris before the Trojan War, one little act started this entire, revealed this huge inequity. And there's so much more interesting. I, I didn't mean to go into the, that, but what amazed me was it she wasn't allowed. She was excluded from the marriage, but it was a marriage between Thetis and Peleus. And you wonder, okay, fine, who are they? Well, that was the whiz. The nymph represented creation, and Peleus was this son that had ant men the whole another story of, of 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 survival that were dedicated just to to loyally do things and they had a son Achilles who was had the vulnerable spot of his heel and when he was hung upside down by his mother who tried to make him immortal she stuck him in the river of sticks which is where you cross to, when you're gonna die Chiron or chat uh, what is it? Anyway, Charon. Charon, Charon, yeah. Ferries you across to Hades where the spirits you know, live and rebirth. It, she held him by his heel. And of course that didn't get immortalized. It's like all these little factors. So we all have a wound somewhere because we're mortal, right? We, we can't be told. And it's an evolution. So, oh my goodness. Here we are, the eclipse. <laughs> And if you want, I know I brought up Venus, point of Thales. And Amanda, thank you for bringing up. This was something that Rick Levine had brought up that Laura Tad, because these three panels that we do kind of intersect. And we also, with Rick, talked about both of these earlier on in this month. So folks, do look at the one last week and the week before, all of these, because it really builds a whole story. But essentially, because of all these energies, Venus, the ruler of this, is a good negotiator. So through thick and thin, it's a process. Do you have anything you want to share looking at this? Well, there's a big bridge, Moon, Jupiter, uh, Mercury, Sun, Mars, whatever. That big red line is that big opposition with a lot of planets on it. So really highlighted. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then I guess trying to have Juno over there um, in the sixth house. 
So a little care is needed. A lot of balance is needed. What's our alliance? Yeah, Juno is the, like, who's our yeah. partners? Mm-hmm. Who are we being? Who, who are we aligning with? And is it good? And hopefully good because those are trines and we want the good energy. And, and just to provide a, a foundation for those who aren't super familiar with eclipses, this is a lunar eclipse, which always means that it's at a full moon. So the previous eclipse, solar eclipse, was a new moon, and that was the seed period. So they are, they are connected. And so that was the seed of what we were um, bringing in. And this full moon is kind of the... Um, uh, what's a good word for it? Like a, a, the full expression of, of what happened from that, that new moon period. And the, the new moon, not that we're going to go into this totally, it did connect with Mars was conjunct the, the sun and moon and Mercury was conjunct as well. And here on, in this eclipse, we've got Mars and Mercury before they were flanking the moon and the sun and now they're here together conjunct. And so a lot of um, a lot of pieces around communication with others, especially because this is an Aries, Libra, North Node, South Node, and the sun and moon are in Scorpio and Taurus, which are also relationship uh, signs. So communicating um, something that you need to, to communicate because eclipses are, they're trying to get you back on track and either you're on track and it's going to catapult you further down that path. Or if you're not on track, it's, it might be a little more um, dramatic. It can be dramatic both ways, but it's going to try and get you back on track. And that may mean some um, strong communications coming forward with, with Mercury Mars. Mercury Mars is also, I think of, uh, people might have a hard time controlling what they say. So be careful what comes out of your mouth these yeah. times. I noticed it's Ser- come from Ceres the Dutch, is nearby. That's yeah. for sure. Right. You have Ceres <laughs> nearby saying, um, just be careful, plan have what you're going to say. Yes, exactly. Yeah, Not too much grief here. It can be either way. And Good you know, Ceres. I love Ceres. <laughs> sometimes like it just has to be said, you know? Mm, and so right. like, Give yourself Take some grace if, out. if yep. you say something that that maybe wasn't um, wasn't what you wanted to say. But um, yeah, it's it's intense energies these eclipses, and they um, the you're it's meant to get you on the right path. So think of it that way. Did this? Did what you needed to say, or what you may need to say in the future? Is it something that's that's going to help correct you and, and move you forward? I, I wonder if there's a connection with um, um, people not being heard. Thank so you. And I was going to inside. say, yeah. I think that really has to do about Chiron. Chiron, the wounded healer, where once we learn how to, and it's in Aries, which it has been, it'll be for eight years, it's going to leave in 2026. So it's moving towards, mm-hmm. still kind of in the middle, 16 degrees, right? Right in the middle. But it is your identity. But all this is at the North Node. And like Amanda, you were mentioning, I mean, tying in what you both said, the last one, interestingly, was with Mars and Mercury at the South Node, which it's a strange uh, dichotomy, you might think, because the the solar is about your ego, the sun that shines, but it's at the South Node, what you release. 
Whereas here, the, the fullness, yes, of the full moon, which is being eclipsed for a reset, is at the north node. So emotionally, there's something important, I would su suggest, listening to all, that is a healing process by perhaps really vocalizing what you need that will allow your emotions there with the moon that wants to expand with Jupiter that's your own that perhaps is more of your own self your own resources right because it's in Taurus it wants those it wants for your own survival you know how to continue going forward and really trying um trying to find ways to ground yourself that that Taurus energy that's going to help with the with feeling safe in the moment um in order to be able to say what you need to, because that Mars Mercury, they're both in Scorpio. So that's about standing in your power and speaking, yes. um, speaking from your power. Yeah. So and sometimes that can be, yeah. And sometimes that can be a little bit scary. So that keeping oh, yeah. yourself really grounded um, is going to help that. Now here's the point of Thales. Generally, as they say, he was a seventh sage from ancient Greece. Know thyself. He was a natural, full of, he used science and mathematics. And there is Alice Portman, who is one reference where it says, because of this focus involving, which we are not going to go into this. I want to get before our break a little bit further about a sextile, which is sharing in an, e in an easy flow of, of a trine along with, uh, the opposition, which is looking at the other. So it's it's how to solve disputes and an ex excellent negotiator, potentially. So here we have, uh, just for folks to look at generally, some more information that you can look at about all of it, if you depending on where you're at here, it specifies. And Isabel says, and this is where we're going forward, that a spiritual astrology is to understand ourselves and the others. There's nothing that we can't change. And it's about cycles. We can change our attitudes. And it's changing ourselves and our consciousness that we go ahead with. So here is Vishakra, which we only have about a minute. We can take two. And then, of course, we'll talk a little bit more and we'll bring her on. Because this is a complex transit that we're talking about. In her chart, and thank you very much for allowing us that she's signed about, it's January 16th, 1958 at 1225 p.m. in Tolpenhish, T-O-P-P-E-N-I-S-H, in Washington, state of Washington. She has also Venus ruling her Taurus rising, and she's a Capricorn at 25 degrees Capricorn there in the eighth house. And there's a couple of important, there's two T-squares that she has. One is with Mars-Saturn in the seventh. This is astrological talk, but squaring her, her Venus that rules the chart, opposing her Pluto in Leo conjunct Jupiter at zero degrees in Virgo. And then in addition... Her son is in a T-square with, anyway, I won't go into all that. We can, so it is a dynamic chart 
And I think what's most interesting is the fact that she is a Capricorn that that Saturn, its ruler, is squaring it. There's a lot of internal action that wants to be of the moment now, not moment, that many energies that wants to expand and yet contract and see the value of the moment. And it's, it's, it's an energetic, compulsively growth-oriented chart. Do you have something else you want to add? The two uh, we'll the opposites in the T-square, you have Moon and Venus on the top, and you have uh, Pluto, Jupiter on the bottom. To me, that's like uh, dealing with your power and then also uh, sh uh, being able to show your feelings, which may be at odds against each other, and that Mars-Saturn is a way to work that. And Mars-Saturn together is that classic foot on the brake, foot on the gas at the same time. It's like, which do I do? And you have to judge that. And that's the thing with the T-square. It's a constant having to work it and figure that out in the yes. lifetime. So Amanda, they become masters we'll of doing those things. Yeah, so. excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you. Yeah, and and just looking at the at this chart, there's a lot of Aquarius energy and there's a lot of Sagittarius energy. And both of those are pretty outside-the-box, forward-thinking energies. And so um, I get the sense that she's kind of ahead of her times in some ways. And that Mars Saturn is, um, you know, Mars can be a little bit impatient. And, and so Saturn is like saying, well, you're going to have to wait for people to catch up to you here. Yes. Um, <laughs> and so there's, there yeah. may be a piece here about like, this is a spiritual journey on how to how to find that um, that way to wait for people and be okay with it and be comfortable with it, and um, and I love that John that talk about the how do you how do you discern putting the when you put the foot on the brake and when you go mm. and all that because that Jupiter is in Virgo and that's like all about discernment and so when you when you're learning that discernment piece that's um that's usually where things will go right for you because it's in Jupiter. Yes. And the last thought I is about the deconditioning. So it must be a lot about deconditioning from, because Saturn is a longevity, but it's in Sagittarius, right? So it has your belief structures and then being a Capricorn person, of course, that's where your regulation is familia, all of this. So, Let's take a break. We'll be right back. This is October 22nd, Kaleidoscope Visions with a transit reading, and we will have Vishaka. Thank you, Amanda Pierce and John Chinworth. We'll be right back, everybody. Thank you. we take a break from this week's edition of Talk Cosmos, let's take a look at this cycle's archetype. We are currently in the Yang period of Libra, ruled duly by Venus. By leaving the lower hemisphere of the self, the energy of Libra enters the arena where the completed self meets the other-than-self to form a relationship based on partnership. As a cardinal air sign on the descendant angle, represented by the equinox of equal light, 
Libra's energy learns through comparison and relationships with the intention to integrate duality and polarities. This is Martha Norwalk. Every Sunday morning, beginning at 9 a.m., thanks in part to NewProSupplements.com, we cover the world of animals. This week, October 29th, it's an encore presentation. Join us to hear our last healing show with Dr. Nels Rasmussen and Sister Linda Rasmussen. Together, they help listeners and their animal friends with emotional, behavioral, or physical problems, and you can receive a surrogate healing just by listening and following along with Linda's instructions. Hope you can join us. Martha Norwalk's Animal World, Sunday morning, 9 a.m. to noon, right here on Alternative Talk, a.m. 1150. Hot Cosmos brings insightful conversations to awaken consciousness for the soul growth with hour-long programs every Sunday at 1 p.m. Pacific on KKNW. Talk Cosmos weekly programs are also available to watch live on the Talk Cosmos YouTube channel and Facebook page. While you're there, make sure you click the like and subscribe buttons so you get the full Talk Cosmos experience. Or if you'd rather listen to the show archives with audio only, the entire podcast collection since 2018 is available on most podcast carriers. And to find out about upcoming programs, sign up for the newsletter at TalkCosmos.com. So grab your coffee, tea, or kombucha and enjoy the show. Wherever you go, Alternative Talk 1150 is here for you. Well, hello, everybody. We're back. And it's what? Big awake call. I was thinking, oh, my goodness, this is Libra, not Libra, it's Scorpio, because some of the dates shift between around the 21st, but it's until tomorrow. So I'm amazed. I kept listening for Scorpio. Well, we're still in that balancing justice system of Libra. So we will get to it. Thank you. And here's, let's look at her natal with the horoscope. Oh, and I want to remind everybody, if you're interested in any consultations, go to uh, where are your websites? Tell your websites. John, your website, please. Uh, skypathastro.com. That's me. <laughs> okay. And Amanda, how can they get in touch with you? Amandamoon.net. Okay. Or else amandamoonastrology at gmail.com. That's right. Also, that works. And also for you, John, your, your email will be on your, your thing. Okay, and of course, talk cosmos for myself. Thank you very much. We'll get back now. I just wanted to always mention that. Vishakra and the lunar eclipse. We have a bi-wheel. The inner is the chart of the natal, and the outer is the transits, which happen to be the eclipse that we're looking at. Right off the bat, she has two T-squares, of course, because natally she has one, but they're augmented powerfully. And Saturn is a defining point. Saturn is squaring itself, meaning the judgment of choice, really a strategist. You know, you think of Saturn in Libra, that is like General Patton, a great strategist, a great sense of administrative capacities. It's really pretty. And it's right close to her natal Venus, which is ruling the chart itself, both charts, you know, her ascendant and the eclipse itself. A lot of values, deep 
searching within, I would imagine. Go ahead. Well, I see my favorite asteroid Hygieia up there, <laughs> conjunct Mercury Ceres, and there's that uh, like healthful approach to communication, right? Yeah. Up in the oh, in a tenth house, yeah, tenth house. Yeah, and that um, the eclipse is is showing up in this chart in the twelfth house and the sixth house, and so those are going to be like the the highlighted areas in addition to where the, you know, where the other transits are hitting her chart. But, but when I think of sixth and 12th, I think sixth house, this is about where you're being of service, where you're working in the world and 12th house is more of your spiritual journey. And sixth house is like mental activity. And how do I, how do I move through the world with my mental, um, my mental um, abilities and intellect versus the 12th house of just going with the flow and kind of trusting with source a little bit. So, so themes like that may be coming up. And so Hygieia conjuncting that Mercury that connects back with the sixth house. And, and there may be pieces here where it's about letting go of um, the mental machinations or, you know, like the, how am I going to fix it using my mind? Cause it, she's got a very strong mind here with that all that's sag and aquarius um and finding ways to to go with the flow um or or connecting with that the how to work with the universe a little bit more kind of uh doing uh de devotional work uh setting up regimens in that regard then also letting go and letting god and finding the balance between the two and there's a, you know, with Taurus and Scorpio, there's always that trust factor. Like that's a big piece because, mm -hmm. um, you know, Taurus is associated with its greatest fear is, is death and, and Scorpio, its greatest fear is abandonment. And so we've all had those experiences in our past and how do we find that um, greater trust and deeper trust in um, our relationship with the universe when we've had bad things happen? And so that's, I think that's um, coming forward a little bit here as well. This really speaks so clearly of this moment, this, this season that we're within, because the 28th is still from the date of us, 22nd, six days away. I'm reading Pam Grout's book, E, I don't even know the whole name of it. And it speaks of how to manifest through this infinite field of possibilities and potentials that she calls, calls the God factor. I mean, I don't say the God factor. She doesn't say factor, but in other words, whatever we call it, the great spirit, God, Allah, however, this matrix of infinite possibilities, the field. And yes, it's a matter of the symbols and the communication and the trust. Excellent. Both and of those. And mm -hmm. All of that is so 12th house. The 12th house contains everything. It is the, it's the final sign, the final house. It's, it's infinite and it's beyond what we know. And so I love that whole piece of like, we can manifest things that we don't even realize are possible. And, um, and that trust piece is so important to manifestation because it keeps you out of the fear and the fear is going to, is going to, it's manifestation is all about feeling right and so um if you've got that fear coming up then it, 
it will just tend to manifest more of that. Let's bring her on. John, did you have something else? Because we did kind of creep in, but this is a huge uh, transit. So well, the, the ruling planet, um, well, Venus up there at 29 degrees in the birth chart. Um, so it's critical. Like we're going to get Venus right in this lifetime. And Saturn has been crossing over that, which I find really intriguing. Oh, definitely. That. It is all about <laughs> centering and eliminating, getting to the essential foundation of what your values are. Yeah. Pounding my, it's like I'm a, a mortar, you know, like grinding things but i want to take too long here because we want her sure. here to talk with us so if it's very succinct go ahead Either oh, i was just gonna say oh. like that that saturn transit um at the top that's like huge right now for vishaka yes, it is and, and it's like, squaring every, yeah everything that we were talking about before with that that moon venus pluto jupiter saturn mars it's all being hit yep Nate, can you bring on Vishaka? And we would be glad to share here. Oh, hello. Yes. Hi. We hello. can see green Technicolor. Beautiful. Please give us your feedback or anything else you want to share. Basically, I can say, wow. I mean, this is so relevant to where I am at the moment. I um, am in the middle of a month-long shamanic journey in which I'm studying shamanism with uh, Alberto Violdo, who is a oh, yes, scientist yes. and a shaman at the same time. So uh, it really affirms what I'm doing right now and um, that I have really chosen this path. I've been waking up in the morning and going to the dining room window where I can still see the stars and um, there's Venus, there's Venus for me. And I just feel that connection. I feel that um, movement. And um, I just am really great, mm -hmm. grateful to be here. And um, yeah, it's it feels like you guys hit the nail on the head with what's going on in my I life. think um, shamanism is ruled by Jupiter. And in your birth chart, that's conjunct Pluto and you have Saturn opposing that so that whole talk about shamanism is really poignant right now <laughs> and and saturn is about mastery as well so you're like coming into deeper mastery with all of these right. energies which is really beautiful so it looks like it's um you're on that right track with this with this eclipse and on your path so excited for you to like deepen you know where you're going and this will just catapult you forward even more Oh, thank you. I really appreciate this. Um, yeah, this support and this view. Because um, I don't get it uh, from around me. You know, I don't get a lot of support in my world. I live in a rural place and my family, uh, they don't necessarily understand where I'm coming from at all. So it's nice to have people who can recognize who I am and where I am. So thank you so much. With that fourth house, which represents our family and our beginnings and endings, there's little wonder that that isn't the case. And we three follow evolutionary astrology that says that we've had previous lifetimes. We come in with our package of familiarity, kind of like the grounding pad that we can watch from. And our childhood 
offers, you might say, the the screenplay for how to catapult those issues, which is would be a nice way to remember them because we're all human and it's sometimes difficult to remember that factor. But I imagine there's quite a bit of deconditioning that you've had to do to be that authentic, true self that's changing and you're widening philosophies. You've got, as you see, Uranus and Pluto and Jupiter all smack dab right there. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> and I uh, just do my best to keep in, in love and enjoy and, and um, not ruffle too many feathers. So. I'm a natal fourth house Pluto as well. And that seems to be about finding the family that accepts you and understands you. Mm. So that could be a part of it. And, well, I, and finding that also, the, oh, if not family, that support network, the fourth house being like the root of the chart of the base, like the foundation. So you got to build that yourself by the people that support you or you know, have the power to, to stand for yourself, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Mm -hmm. And I'll quickly add, because I think Amanda has something that she wants to share, I can tell, that this well, this eclipse moon is five degrees Taurus, which is conjunct Jupiter also, you know, of expansion, is sextile, 60 degrees, which is in a compatible flow of energy with your natal moon. So it's so, which happens to be in Pisces, which means, you know, looking at the energies beyond that are beyond ourselves, you might say, that imagination and, and the grander picture of things. And so it's quite supportive, really, of this shamanic journey that you're doing. <sighs> Thank you. <laughs> I woke up this morning um, uh, with thoughts of how shamans do work and they work in subtle fields they work in other dimensions mm. so recognizing that is really uh optimal for me you know and and i wake up and i i acknowledge the four directions and the spirits of those directions and i i feel so often that i'm in other dimensions you know i'm not just here on the physical plane and the time you know in the fourth dimension i'm i have really moved beyond and um and yet i stay here too so it, it's all fun and i'm so glad to have some people who recognize that and and can relate to that as well so thank yeah. you so much and that and that really that connects with um what i wanted to say as well um so that we've got the sun and moon at five degrees, nine minutes, Scorpio and Taurus. And your Chiron is square that almost exactly at five degrees, six minutes, Aquarius in the 10th house, just to the right of, mm -hmm. of Mercury there. And so this is like huge for you. It's really highlighting that core wounding. That's what Chiron is. And Chiron in Aquarius, I mean, Aquarius is, is really outside the box and it's kind of on the fringe and it's not, it can often not be understood. It's like, it's beyond where, where people are. And so it, it um, can feel outside of the community a lot of times. Mm -hmm. And so there's, there's a big wounding piece here that's coming forward for you. And with this, 
um, lunar eclipse, it is a full moon. So it's very much a felt experience. It's, um, you know, big emotions coming up around this. Yeah. And, um, but it's also can be extremely healing in your, your just the way you're talking about like the different dimensions and just connecting into those and, and that healing aspect of knowing that, yes, you're here on this earth plane with, um, with humanity, but you have these other connections that connect you into source in such a deep way. And that that truly is like your home and your family more so than we can, anyone can ever have on the earth plane. You know, that is the deepest. Yeah. I feel that so strongly. You have the uh, Venus in Aquarius, the 29th degree, and we call that a critical degree. And I think that Venus really loves being an Aquarius because Aquarius is the community and you want to love your community and be a part of your community. And I think there's a little bit of that kind of work you're doing in this lifetime with that. And with Saturn there, maybe take a look at that and think about how you actually touch your com community and, and you don't even recognize it maybe and acknowledge oh. that. Does that make I sense? Think, oh, yes, actually. Hmm. Because looking at that tense house, which is where we don't necessarily have our career, but how we're working with the outside social structures of, 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 of what matters to us. Maybe one of you can help me expand, expand on that a little bit more to broaden the idea that you could, you, it seems like it's a strong overall healing effect of, of, of embracing, of including inclusivity and I say that because you've got the nurturing moon there. You have Venus of values and and uh, oh, so much more. But but and but and also series of finding the really series of nurturing. There's this nurturing capacity that yes, that maybe with Chiron has been wounded, but when one takes that out and communicates in some kind of with Mercury, some kind of a could be online. You know, I'm mean, thinking, I mean, I'm just, I don't know. However, your like-minded family that Amanda's brought up and it just seems so, such a powerful. Yeah, I've, I've long felt uh, that was missing in my life, you know, and um, yeah, few people, uh, no people in my current circle really understand where I'm coming from. So I think you're right. I need to find um, more family who can resonate with, with what I'm doing and where I'm going and where I am right now. And um, I, this shamanism thing, it feels like it's uh, moving in the really right direction. Mm. So I'm going to keep it up. You have the long-time flame um, Vesta in Scorpio, right, with Neptune in your fifth house in your natal chart, and that's the that's your ongoing spiritual fire. And I think we think of Vesta like the battery, the flame that keeps you going. And with Neptune, I just think that's fully lit at all times, which is a great thing. And it's and I've had to uh, conceal it for mm -hmm. much of my life. You know, you know, it's theories. As a mythology, she was the mother of Persephone, and, and her daughter was taken by Hades. 
she hid herself on earth for a long time as the goddess and then revealed herself as the goddess but instead of caring for in some mundane way then she was able not to transform the baby that she hoped to into this immortal but instead to offer gifts to people what she did was she taught this this the brother how to be agriculture so that there was able to sustain themselves and nurture themselves out of their grief, you know, starving, whatever, but also in her, it's all symbolic of her own grief. If I'm communicating this meaning that series isn't necessarily to transform people. It's to show them as a catalyst almost, or as an instructor, as a teacher, how to sustain themselves through, their own efforts and, and wow i really think i'm doing that with my yoga teaching mm. i recently um just kind of uh found an exercise called and it, this is just it bubbled up inside me called rainbow moving mountain in which we acknowledge the chakras and uh incrementally from you know the ruby red to the violet and then beyond so mm -hmm. not not just staying with the physical, but also acknowledging the uh, you know, the source and that light. So, yeah, I'm, I'm doing that to a degree. I think. I think. Bless <laughs> I you. Thank you. I, I think we only have about half a minute and a half of musical start. And John and Amanda, do you have anything like? 10, 15 um, seconds that you want to say? Well, yeah, I just wanted to to mention how Pluto has been like transiting over your midheaven and it will fully move into your 10th house, which is the house of career, how you're being seen um, next year, early next year. And so this is, if shamanism is, is part of where you're going with your career and your legacy, or maybe it's yoga, this is a big period for you to... Um, kind of step into deeper power in the in those areas and and be of service and provide for others. So it's a very exciting time. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah. I really appreciate that. John, yeah. Um I don't have anything else to add. Amanda, oh good. So beautifully well, great. <laughs> it <laughs> is. I you know it's um, to me it's again like spirit, this all encompassing energy because your chart came at the right time. To, to share it's just amazing the correlation so thank you Vishaka. oh thank I hope you we're seeing so your much. name right thank Vishaka. you yes Vishaka. and thank you for standing up for that yay <laughs> <laughs> okay we will see you oh my goodness hi i'm trying to turn off these slides maybe nick can help me oh goody there there you are here we are You're beaming, Amanda. Do you have a thought? <laughs> oh, no, just like, it's just lovely to be here with you all and um, and to read Vishaka's chart. And, you know, I just, I, like you said, I love how it always comes together in the right chart at the right time with like the perfect transit. So just trusting. I, I love to trust that in source. Oh, what a gorgeous way to end. Thank you, John Chinworth, Amanda Pierce, and our audience and people. We love you and Vishaka. Thank you.
Thank you for joining an insightful conversation on Talk Cosmos, the show where Sue Rose Minahan and her panel of guests awaken consciousness by connecting soul growth patterns with astrology's energetic cycles. Be sure to tune in next Sunday, 1 p.m. Pacific Time, to continue your journey through the roots of the cosmic pathway.